This is How Was Your Weekend with Wendy and Brian. Look for updates at facebook.com slash weekendpodcast or h-o-w-w dot a-s slash weekend. While you're there, please subscribe. There are links for iTunes, Android, and more. Hey, Wendy, how was your weekend? Good, Brian. How was yours? Uh, not bad. Um, I'm actually pretty proud of myself. Okay. So I don't know what it was like in Denver, uh, or I guess in Colorado when you grew up, mm-hmm. but here in the South, at least my corner of it, there we would do something called chicken cues. Yeah, we didn't have those. I didn't learn about those until I moved to North Carolina. Yeah, basically uh, churches, local community of uh, groups, things like that would fundraise in the summer typically by smoking chicken. And I've never done it before until this weekend. You never ordered it. I stopped and did it. Oh, 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 oh. I ordered it. (laughs) I loved it. Uh, So if you remember the – there's a Methodist church near the office uh, of our former company in – back where I'm from, just down the road. They had the best chicken queue. It was amazing. Uh, My goal is to reproduce that that flavor. Um, So I smoked smoked some chicken this past weekend and some chicken wings. It was great. And I also did something else. I made my first pulled pork ever. What? Look at you. Never done it before. I did that in a crock pot. Next time I'm going to smoke it. Uh, but, do you do you have a green egg or just a normal smoker or what do you got what you uh, what are you working oh, with here oh oh I don't do anything in moderation <laughs> oh I'm aware <laughs> I have three grills oh lord on my on my deck uh, you never got a chance to come over for a cookout because I never had one <laughs> uh, I was going to but it never happened yeah um so I have a, 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 a green egg equivalent okay uh plus I have um like one of the big barrel smokers that um. That's kind of like uh, it's like a barrel cut in half with a chimney, I guess. Chimney, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, like the old school smokers that I'm used to yeah. seeing before and the I, green egg. I've had that thing for like 15 years, and I just bought the side firebox for it and put it on Friday, and that's how I did the smoking. It was phenomenal. Mm. Plus, I have a small gas grill. Uh, my is that goal, where you put like the the chips, the flavoring chips? The uh, yes, exactly, okay. exactly. Okay. So in the big compartment, I don't do anything. Stuff oh, you, just sits oh, in there. Okay. It's it sits on the grill. Then there's like a warming a rack, I guess. You can put chicken there too, cause it, it it the whole thing is a cooking surface basically at that point. Um, I get a good fire going in the side fire box. I throw the wood chips in, and a couple hours later, I have beautifully smoked meat. Oh, look at you! So now is it going to be like smoked meat every weekend? Is it going to have yeah. to? <laughs> Kim was like, you're going to have to take a shower before you go to bed. You stink. <laughs> you smell like a smokehouse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I am super excited. Uh, it came out really well. Yeah. The pulled pork came out pretty well, um, but the uh, chicken was phenomenal. Super, super happy. Good for you. I yeah. didn't do anything that quite that accomplished this weekend. It was it was a rainy day in Nashville on Saturday, so I got like a seven-mile run-in, and then... The... <laughs> Only a seven-mile run in the rain. <laughs> no, it didn't rain. Like, I lucked out. I got the run-in. It was like seven, seven, almost eight-mile run. Um, I have not run seven miles in one go in like <laughs> ten years, so... 
Well, it's it's part of the training, and it, it I didn't do it perfectly, but it was it was a pretty decent run. It was a pretty decent run, but I got it done, and within like fifteen or twenty minutes of me, like I ran, and then decided I was going to walk across the like park trail area where I was running to get a smoothie because I was starving at that point. And as soon as I got my truck, like five minutes after I got in my truck from getting my smoothie and heading home, the the, the sky opened up. So Uh-oh. yeah, Saturday was pretty like just lazy kind of do stuff in the house kind of day. So there was no adventure in that. And then my Sunday was just kind of my typical Sunday. I was pretty low key weekend for Wendy. She's pretty boring. Did we talk about the book uh, Finding Ultra by Rich Roll by chance at some point? No, I think we talked about, well, if you and I haven't talked about it, I know that my friend Allison and I and her husband have talked about the the um, documentary about it. It's actually really fascinating. If you get yeah. a chance to read it, you should. Yeah, I um, somebody was talking about the documentary, but I should read the book too. I mean, it's kind of bogus in the sense that the guy was already a high-level athlete, even though he hadn't been active in years. He still um, was well positioned to become an ultra marathon runner. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't take away the fact that he was a badass. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'll, uh, I need to check that one out. Um, one thing I will, uh, say, um, there's no dang way that I will ever be an ultra marathoner. I have no intention of ever running anything more than a half marathon. <laughs> I just, this comes down like circuit training basically uh, is what it sounds like. Well, I'll have to check it out. I just, uh, I'm, about 13.1 is all of my body mental capacity. I could probably do more if I had to, but you know, physically I just I'm like, oh, I'm good. I did 13 miles. That's good. <laughs> hey, actually speaking uh, about uh, running, did you see the, a run logging or tracking service or app that had uh, accidentally or intentionally, I don't know. Oh yeah. I saw that on the news today. Yeah. Leaked secret military information. Strava. I don't use it. Nope. I don't use that one, but they're saying now that they're going to check into all the others. I am a Garmin girl. Um, That is what I use, but I, that Strava is a, is a big one. And a lot of people were using when it first came out a couple years ago, a lot of people loved it. Um, but yeah, I just saw that on the news today and I was like, mm, no bueno, that's uh, fit, not good. My Fitbit right now is telling me, Brian, you only did 6,000 steps today. You got to get it going. I did, let's see, which I ran 3.95. So that that's kind of cheating in a way. But no, um, <laughs> I did, with, the, with my run, I did 10,391 steps. So after I ran, I didn't move a ton today. I was kind of up and down the stairs and stuff, but I was a lot of sitting after that. So, but I've been doing a lot of sitting without that. (laughs) It's cold in Nashville though. So I had, I'm glad I got my run in this morning before. Comfortable here. It's supposed to, it could snow. Like it's going to be in like twenties. Really? Yep. So my guess is if it's coming out. Holy crap. They're now calling for snow on Friday. A chance of snow. The last time we got a dusting of snow, that dusting was seven, seven inches. inches. Yep. So Merry Christmas, because when it hit a post Merry Christmas, because when it hit Nashville, we got like two inches. And then like a couple days later, you all got like real snow. So yeah, it was awesome. We'll see. It rained a little bit and then it was flurrying around five o'clock and then it stopped. But there's a weird cold front happening. And so the winter is still upon us. So I don't know how to segue into this. I'm just going to do it. 
Let's talk about how you were not a very nice person this weekend. That's how we're going to talk ah. about abrasive people is that you told me you weren't very nice. In fact, you told me you were an a-hole. I was. Okay. Uh, so today we're going to talk about dealing with abrasive people. This was one of the topics that was suggested uh, when we did a little survey of our listeners recently. Um, and I am, or I was, and I, you were too, <laughs> but a, a professional um, complaint taker, I guess. Whenever you work with the public, yes, you have to know how to deal with um, abrasive people. And I, I don't, I don't know if you did or not when you, because you used to work what at? Um, oh yeah, I worked at Universal Studios yeah. that summer, and then I worked in vet clinics. And oh I, god, that that had to be the worst. Um, you know, at that point, well, you know, no. It it happened, and and that generally happened with frequent visitors who were like breeders and just felt like they owned the place. But between that and then just the store time that I had to do with, um, you know, our my former company and stuff like that, like I've had I've had some exposure to some abrasive customers and personalities and and, and, and in life and yeah, coworker and in life in general. Friends. Sometimes we have friends <laughs> that are abrasive. Oh, I have uh, lots. Of, I actually have yeah. lots of friends that people would categorize as abrasive and i just call them extremely honest (laughs) so So, yeah so um i worked in a call center for a few years Mm -hmm. and my job at first was to take complaints Mm -hmm. then i was good at that so my next job was to take the complaints that the other people couldn't handle Uh uh-huh and um yeah that's bad (laughs) especially when you're just a voice on the other end of the phone Yep. Uh, people will take liberties mm-hmm. and uh, be very because they unkind. think you're just a voice on the end. Yeah. 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 It's uh, but you know what? I wouldn't trade that. No, I'm lying. I would totally trade that experience. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was interesting, and people now are actually really impressed when um I have to deal with somebody abrasive if they see me in action, um. But and, and in some ways, it would be referred to as conflict management, right? Yes, that is true. <laughs> it's kind of like it's funny. Like in school, people are like, "When are, am I going to use algebra?" And like, I use it every day. But what I don't use every day is, uh, I'm very, I'm very sorry that that happened. Let me see if there's anything I can do. You know, I, I don't, I don't use that every day anymore. Every uh, single day. But uh, yeah, it, it's. It's it's tough, and it, some people are often abrasive, and they don't realize it. No, and I think I think abrasiveness, you know, as as we talked about discussing this topic, I was kind of like, okay, this could be an interesting, maybe difficult topic to 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 discuss. Is you know, abrasive personalities or dealing with abrasive or aggressive or unhappy people or whatever. But you know, I feel like. Also, depending on the environment, you know, I think there are people who are naturally and and sometimes intentionally abrasive. Um, but I also feel like, and I think I even read this somewhere not too long ago, in fact, that if you are in or used to a passive environment, and a lot of the American society are is is a passive environment. Define that. What do you mean? So, like, a passive in that if you they're not very direct with what they're feeling or how they're thinking like or in the south <laughs> well 
it could it could be that way. I mean, bless it, his heart. Or, <laughs> but I mean, I think it culturally is probably more adept to you know corporations or other places or you know institutions and things like that. However, I did read it and I can't remember where. I want to say it was like in a Harvard review or something, but that's probably incorrect. But it has been as of just maybe two months ago that I read that, you know, some people would classify the American society as like 60% passive, meaning they're not going to actually be able. And if, if it's because they don't want to, or they don't know how to effectively be direct with their feelings, um, or if people cannot take that directness in a non-threatening or a non, um, non judgmental or, you know, hurt my feelings way. So I, you know, when you brought this up, I was kind of like, okay, well I would, I have friends who I would say people would call abrasive and, and they can be. And sometimes they probably are intentionally because they want to try to get a rise out of somebody out of fun. It may not be, you know, sometimes I think being abrasive can be just somebody picking and playing and whatever. Um, but I also feel that a lot of times people get classified as abrasive just because they're being direct and they're being constructive and they're giving their opinion. And because that person doesn't like that they're actually addressing that with them, they're getting classified as abrasive. Um, where there are then, in fact, people who are just abrasive because they just want to have the upper hand. They want to have control. They want to belittle somebody. They want to yell at the guy on the other side of the phone because they're having a bad day and dang it, I don't know who you are or where you're at, but you have to fix all the problems that are making me have this personality today. Kim says that I am often abrasive. And I, towards, maybe just okay, so towards her, towards like service people that you're you know engaging with or towards friends towards people i work with um so i was actually looking at a personality profile today um there was something that our buddy pete pulled together at work a couple of years ago uh called influence criteria it was a little document if you you remember it it mm -hmm. was uh, I, I should post mine there's nothing proprietary about it okay um i need to dig that out and i can post it I probably uh, have mine buried somewhere, but I don't know where. <laughs> it lists, like, personality. So basically, it's how people, how you want people to interact with you. And for me, things I valued were, like, I value people that are plain spoken. I value people who don't obfuscate and get right to the point. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, Kim says, I've heard other people say it, <laughs> that I'm not into small talk a lot of times. And, <laughs> and I want to get I want to get right to the point. And sometimes if I'm getting right to the point and there's some feedback involved or uh, I have to critique something that I can be very critical of things and um, either hurt people's feelings or uh, just come off as kind of a, a jerkwad. I think. For you, just knowing you like I do, um, I could see how that's the perception and that there's probably some truth to that. But I don't think it's about what you're saying. It's the how that then gets you branded as abrasive versus, you know, something else. Because you so plainly say it with kind of this just matter of fact way where, again, 
what is what is half of the battle is the delivery. So you yeah. can say you can be non non passive and direct and say things, but it's how you say it that then labels you as abrasive or not. When you actually, it's the same thing. The, the information giving being given to you is the exact same point trying to be made. It's just given to you in a way that you're not feeling hurt by. So I'll I'll tell you what happened this past weekend where uh, Kim said I was a total jerk. Yeah, I want to um, hear about you being a jerk. This is unacceptable, Brian Kilby. Um, I try my best not to go to Walmart, especially the one local here. I hate it. I well, really it's don't. It's just it's chaos there. It's a it's a terror. It's a it's it's my least favorite Walmart I've ever been in. Um, <laughs> You've ranked them. Okay, moving yes. on. I just I, this I, is this is a topic for another day. <laughs> I love re- I love retail. Retail is important to me. Um, yes. So so, but uh, I don't like the Walmart here. <laughs> so I I will go out of my way to order things so that I don't have to go. Dog food is one of the things. Like just so that I don't have to go, I will pay to get dog food delivered. Um, but I was trying to go somewhere. I forgot where where it was. But there was a guy from Directv in the store trying to sell us on getting satellite um, uh, TV. And there's also a guy, the same same company in Sam's Club. And I'm tired of going through the same spiel. So typically I try to avoid them if I can't. Um, I don't want to completely ignore them because I think that completely ignoring their existence is probably worse. Mm-hmm. But um, a couple nights ago... Three nights ago, um, had a, I was walking through, could not avoid the guy. So we talked back and forth for a second. He, he was like, hey, who's your, uh, you know, do you, have, do you have TV? I'm like, yes, but I don't watch it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we, it was probably a 30-second conversation. Uh, two days ago, I was in the same Walmart, and a different direct TV guy was there. So the guy was like, sir, who's yours? Like, I have Time Warner. I don't watch TV. I only have it for internet. Internet service at AT&T doesn't provide service to my neighborhood. Uh, so when, when you do, I might consider it. And that's all I said. And I walked away. And I, yeah, I probably could have handled that better. But I hate, hate going through that song and dance. So Kim thought that, like, that was, like, you were, so was her expectation is that you were supposed to just stand there and, like, listen to the spiel again and then like graciously decline for the 50 millionth time or her, her thought was that I, the delivery was <laughs> quick. It was, it was kind of like I was uh, kind of like it was execution and execution. I like, I just wanted to get it done yeah. and I wanted to feel no pain yeah. and I just wanted, you know, to uh, move along. It's and- like, it's your like house, you know, like when he would deliver bad news it's about, like you're dying. It was like you're dying. Here's why. Blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> he Sorry, you can't fix it. <laughs> Maybe I'll just research it and we'll figure it out. And then I'll come back and be a little bit more empathetic to your situation. Yeah. So, so with the feedback from Kim, how might have how might you have handled that differently now? I would have made a. I would have walked through the women's clothing to <laughs> not have to make eye contact. With said direct TV person. Or another way could have possibly been to say, 
hey, I know you're just doing your job here, but you are the third person this week. And here is why I'm not going to stand here and, and, and let you go through this spiel with me. I appreciate you're trying to do your job. Have a nice day. Get up. Walking through a mall, I have done everything short of, and I may have actually faked like I didn't speak English. (laughs) You wouldn't be the first person to do that. I know. To avoid Uh, a survey or to avoid those little kiosk people? Those kiosk people. Okay. Um, Yeah. I often, okay, one thing, like, especially with the phone people, I just come up with BS stories. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I get free. I'm like, I get a free phone to my business. I don't, but I tell people that <laughs> just so I don't have to, you know. And you know, the sad thing is, is that person probably knows, like, n- God, the, the yeah. percentage is probably horrid, but that 70% of people are actually just brushing them off and not, you know. Yeah. You know, and, and that's tough. They're, they're just trying to do a job, and I appreciate that. But I, I feel also too like when you say no thank you, especially the kiosk mall people, if I say no thank you, then leave me alone. Yeah. Like if you keep on with the just let me show you this lotion, get don't touch me. We're just please, I'm going to the store. I'm going to have a great day. Thank you for being kind, but no thank you. I just keep walking. <laughs> so what I like to imagine is happening is that direct TV guy went home and a couple of days later he is recording a podcast with his Wendy about <laughs> abrasive people and how he had to deal with this jerkwad who just completely blew him off. Okay, so to turn the tables a little bit, and probably, so because you worked for so long in that same type of role to to, to a degree, you pr- probably have even have less patience for it. Where if you didn't have, you know, if the shoe wasn't on the other foot for so long, you know, maybe your patience level or something would change with it. But put the shoe on the other foot. So talk, tell us about the most abrasive or un, like unrealistic uh, customer complaint call you ever had to handle. Probably the worst one is there was, this was 13 years ago. Um, uh, the uh, associate that answered the phone she was an older lady uh, in her 60s, close to retirement. And a guy called in. He was a doctor. Doctors and lawyers are typically the two worst uh, complainers, at least when you work in a call center. Because they, they don't have time for stuff. And, yeah, and they think they're smarter than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a doctor and his first question, are you college educated? I'm like, sure. Yeah. That was like... That was, that was his question? That was his first question out of his mouth. Ugh. And he was upset because he went to a website or he was on the company's website and it was, an, it was a how-to article. But the how-to article didn't have a buy now button. He was irate because an article didn't have like... The buy the, now button. Yeah, the buy now button. Hmm. And and back he, when okay, so let's be honest too. When you were in this role, right, which was like early two thousands, yeah, that wasn't even necessarily like a common thing in e commerce no. at that E-com- point. E commerce was not common. Most people were not doing their on, their shopping online. Yeah, and there was buy now was not a huge option at this point to begin with. And he said, "I'm a surgeon," and he said, "Good for you, sir." Yeah, he said, "I'm a <laughs> surgeon," and if I perform surgery on one of my patients 
before I told them how much it was going to cost, you know what would happen? They wouldn't they, get the surgery. <laughs> they would sue me, he said. <gasps> what? And and I said, sir, I don't think your situation and this situation are remotely analogous to each other. I was going to say, I don't see the relation, but. You know. And he said, he paused for a second. He yelled, thank you. And he hung up. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. It was it was an odd situation. But I had another I had another call. And this is something that I think bears repeating. Um, guy called in, got escalated to me. Um, the guy was having an issue with some service, and he kept telling me I was an idiot. He called everybody an idiot. You're an idiot. You're stupid. Why can't you get this fixed? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I just, <laughs> I you know me. Like sometimes I try to respond to things with humor. Mm-hmm. And this was a desperation attempt and i was honestly a little panicked because the guy had a legitimate issue he was just just having he was just being so abrasive and he's like you're an idiot and i just responded thank you sir (laughs) he's like what thank you for calling me an idiot and did not i did i really did i really did did that like shock him into realize what he was doing it did and he started crying Oh, his yeah, wife was having a horrible day. His wife was dying of cancer and this oh. and the service was for something to help her out. Oh. And he he felt that he was getting the runaround. Yeah. And once he explained the situation, I contacted the right people and I got his problem fixed. Yeah. And I called him back and he was very appreciative. Yeah. Uh, what I. I said that out of desperation, but it really did diffuse the situation. Yeah. Well, it was like the shock factor. It was the thing of him being so enraged with the problem. He wasn't thinking it, about it's, it's why. Like he, it's, like he, it's like he realized, oh, God, there is another person on the, the end of this line. Yeah. It's not this button that I'm pushing in there. Keep asking me the same question. I'm not getting anybody who yeah. can, can understand what I'm going through. And after that, it really changed how I approached uh angry people yeah sometimes you can tell somebody's just a jerk but Mm -hmm. you never really know what is causing them to be abrasive and sometimes the person who's being abrasive doesn't know what you're going through yeah yeah and i could be having a terrible day and if you're a jerk to me that just makes that much worse yeah and my ability to like use my better judgment to assist you is just you know compromised to yeah well, I, th- I mean, then it kind of all goes back to the very simple solution of the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated and always know somebody is going through, potentially going through something causing them. Now, there are people who are just jerks and feel yeah. entitled. And I'm sure you met plenty of people who fit, fit that category that they just were entitled to. I mean, everybody's entitled to good customer service if they're, you know, working with a business. But if they're being unrealistic or overly entitled than, you know, being realistic about what those expectations are. So one of the stories that I like, I I can't think of, honestly, I can't think of like a customer because I just didn't deal with it in the same way that you did. Um, like a customer, abrasive customer um, story that just like sticks in my brain, except for this one was like when I was in high school And it wasn't necessarily, it was just, it's an interesting situation. So it's more of, I think, uh, 
a moral ethical response than it is just that this person's being abrasive. But I learned a lot from how my boss at the time handled the situation. So when I worked in the vet clinic in high school, there was a greyhound breeder and, um, greyhound breeders back then for sure. Cause this is the, the mid to, to late nineties, right. Were there was a lot of controversy around how they're bred and how they're raised and how they're trained and they're aggressive dogs. I mean, they can be aggressive dogs, um, especially when they're in training, you know, a lot of the rescue groups and stuff. Now they're, they're very, they're the, they're actually very lazy, sweet dogs by nature. Um, if they didn't come from the track. Um, but if they're track trained, then they can become very aggressive. Well, there was these greyhound breeders who it never failed. It felt like, I don't know how frequently, but more often than needed to be, they were bringing in female dogs or male dogs that had gotten into fights. Like they had gotten into each other's pens and just like, really hurt each other like wounds that were just aggressive and needed tubes and just sad stuff and the guy was just he was a jerk he was just not a good person like you could just tell that you could just sense that and that was probably also why his dogs were the way they were yeah but i remember it was a big lesson for me because he was like i it's the third time that i remember but know that the other people who worked in the clinic when I, you know, was at school or whatever, had had other experiences with this couple. And you could always tell that the wife was not necessarily um, felt like what was happening was wrong, but you could also tell that she knew what, how they were handling it wasn't always the best, but they brought in a female who had been severely attacked by the male dog and the male dog they brought in as well and had him muzzled. And he had had some cuts and stuff from like blowing through the fence and she had gotten a couple nips on him. So he had some just minor abrasions. He maybe got a little bit, a few stitches, but this guy was like blew through the door. This poor female's bleeding all over the place. And he's like, I need to get in. I need you to stitch my dog up and I need you to get me out of here. Like it was just basically a mash unit. I don't care what you have to do. Just sew this dog up. I don't really care about her. Like, just do this. And I remember it was, he was such a jerk. Oh, it was, it was, and that's the thing, right? You're, you're sitting there and you're going, this is an animal who's been wounded. It needs examined. It's not just something you get to make a call about. And he was blaming basically the female dog for not being tough enough. Like her getting attacked and everything else was just because this dog was weak or whatever. It was, it was the weirdest, most bizarre thing that this guy what he was saying, but it was, but at the end of the day, it was just like, you look at the vet and me and the other vet tech and just be like, I don't care. Just sew her up and let's get her out of here. And my, my vet was concerned that she was, he just wanted her semi stitched up for record. And he was going to take the dog home and do bad things to her. Like basically put her down. What? So, yeah. Like there, there's just these things happen. Like there's these weird people out here and that was what, some people would do so i mean it's i mean that doesn't sound far from like people who have dog fights yeah that and that was what she was like she wasn't concerned that they were actually but it is very it's very similar in the way his behavior was so he wasn't doing there wasn't the dog fighting but he was running these greyhounds you know for racing and stuff and it's just a different environment it's that they put them in and they get hyper you know hyper 
anxious and hyper ramped up so that they can run. But at the end of the day, she was like, no, I have to keep your dog overnight. And he was like, no, you're going to stitch my dog up and you're going to give her to me and we are going to leave. And I remember sitting there and the guy was, and I mean, the guy was saying just horrible things to the vet and she just like was taking her time. And I, unbeknownst to me, like the lady at the front desk, because I had been through the situation enough with this guy was like on the phone waiting to call like animal control or the Mm -hmm. county or whatever to report it. Well, she had called and reported it anyways, because anytime there's a dog fight, there were rules, especially for breeders. And so that's partly why he just wanted to get her sewn up and be like, Oh, everything's fine. We sewed her up. It was just a minor dog fight and take her home. Um, But they had already called and she was like, no, she's in bad shape. We're keeping her overnight. She's going to need drains. She's probably going to need some tissue, like examination in the morning, whatever. And he like yelling was like, no, you're going to give me my dog. You can't keep my dog, blah, blah, blah. And when my vet said, sir, I understand you're upset. I understand she's one of your best females, but if you would, and then she kind of took a jab, basically, like, if you had the right facilities and you treated your animals properly, this probably wouldn't happen. And I I just remember standing there going, like, oh, this dude's going awesome. to flip a table. Like, something's going to happen. But she finally just threw down and said, you know what? You've had way too many visits here with too many dog injuries. She's like, if you don't stop and take my medical advice, I am going to call the county And report neglect. So you can either let me do my job because ethically this dog needs to be treated in a way Mm -hmm. that will help her heal. Or you can go ahead and deal with the consequences because I will do that. And I was like, okay, this guy is going to... And the the male, not that it (laughs) mattered, but the male vet wasn't even there. So it was like me, my tiny little vet. She's this spunky little tiny person. And then me and the other two gals, which I was like, I'm fully prepared to knock this guy out if I have to because, because he's just a jerk. But he finally just like laid into her and was like, you're the worst vet. You're an idiot. Like all this kind of stuff. And she goes, well, I may be an idiot, but I'm going to be the idiot who saves your dog. And if I can, I'll prevent you from ever getting her back. And she grabbed this dog who was as big as she was and walked out of there. And I just was like, uh, awesome. Uh, uh, uh. But it was one of those things where it was a good lesson of <clears throat> there was obviously a lot of emotions in all of that dealing. And there was more triggering that guy beyond just that those dogs have, you know, the dogs being in the fight, but there was probably financial ramifications and other things that they were not equipped to deal with at the time but what i learned was she stood up and was like ethically i'm not gonna do i'm gonna do the right thing i'm gonna protect this animal from its owner because we have we have we have this reoccurring issue that happens and i don't care if you're having a bad day and i don't care if you can't pay me and i don't care the animal's welfare is more important to me than whatever you've got going on Um, but I remember that being like one of my most like first exposures to a really abrasive customer, um, which is obviously an extreme because you have an injured pet and all those other things. But to your point easier, there's things going on. He was a bully. That was more than an abrasive person. He was a bully. Oh yeah. He was a bully. But it was, it was every time after that, like when they would come in, 
they he was he didn't totally change his but you knew when he called you knew it was him because he was always like it's so and so like we were supposed to just be like oh well we're so glad you're calling you know um but it like i heard i think maybe six months later that they got shut down because they weren't running a good proper facility but i i think sometimes to your point you have to say the thing it's just the timing of when to to like shock somebody into the reality of even if they're emotionally charged and why they're frustrated to bring it back a notch (laughs) think about what you're saying it's not that i don't want to help you i don't want to be difficult but i can't be difficult if i can't have a normal kind conversation with you and I, I, when I was going through my move in August and that was the biggest freaking miserable thing I've ever been through. Um, and the people didn't care. And my mom was on the phone with them all the time. Bless her. And me, I tried to still be assertive, but not abrasive. I didn't insult. I don't yeah. think any of us insulted, but we were just highly frustrated. And there was only one person that she really would acknowledge how frustrated we were and say, you know, I'm going to do everything I can, but this is all I can do. Um, But I think I wouldn't say at any point, and I never heard my mom's conversations, but just in knowing my mom, I don't think that we were ever just nasty abrasive, Um, which was a, that whole thing was a huge customer service fail anyways. But I feel, I feel like some people go in leading with a problem abrasively because they think that that's going to get them a bigger result. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, there's truth to that. And I mean, it's a strategy, which is it's a crappy one, but it's a strategy. Scare tactic. Like, like some people just don't value relationships with other people, or it's kind of like dealing. They feel that dealing with somebody in the public is like dealing with a used car salesman. Mm-hmm. There's no reason at all to value the relationship or the interaction because there's not really a relationship. So why not do whatever you can to as quickly as possible, maximize the return on my investment of time. Do you think sometimes people exert an abrasive personality as a protection way to protect themselves? Yes. A defense mechanism almost. Yeah. So like sometimes somebody may have low self-esteem Mm-hmm. Or they may, I mean, they just generally lack confidence. So it's easy just to go in barrels blazing and hope to to compensate for the lack of self-confidence by breaking down someone else's confidence and self-esteem. Yeah, totally. And I, th- and I think to the, the, like the other side of, or the other component of what we talked about a little bit earlier is it's, you know, we're talking more about the customer service facing things, but then I think that example that you just gave occurs a lot in the office, oh, in absolutely. an office, <clears throat> in a work environment. It's not even in an office necessarily. There's always people who want to have power, who yeah. want to control and manipulate other people. Uh, I mean, we all do it in a, in yeah. a way. I mean, whether you call it consciously or not yeah Yeah, some people call it manipulation some people call it influencing at at, at some level it's all the same thing Mm -hmm. but some people want to influence with fear i feel like often those peers or leaders or those that i interacted with um or i interact with i should say 
um, who do that um, often do it out of, like you said, in the insecurity or defense mechanism. But I also feel like they do it out of needing to be the smartest person in the room and shutting off the pipeline to make anybody feel comfortable about having an opinion, not even a critic, like not even a criticism, because if you're talking about being abrasive, you know, people can say it's, it's criticism or critique or something else, but feel like being abrasive, it's shutting people down so that they didn't have to have an opinion. And therefore you got to be the only person who spoke and whose ideas were important. And then that fulfilled whatever sick little thing in your brain. But I feel like that happens quite a bit. Yeah. There's too. a guy that we both used to know. I used to work with him. Uh, he's, I, I don't know where he is now. I always liked him. I actually thought he was a really smart guy. Um, but that was sort of how he would try to, he, I mean, in private, he would tell you he was actively seeking power. I mean, that was – it's just one of those things. But he would talk faster and basically inundate people with his thoughts and ideas and opinions before they could form their own opinion. And in some cases with subordinates, he would belittle them. He would He would hire people who were not qualified professionally or emotionally for a position – just so that he could feel like ha- have, power superior. have power, have so power, can... and he would belittle, yell at if he needed to. Um, that that problem worked its way out. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it's we don't need that type of people in leadership. leadership. Yeah, um, and it resolved itself. But most people are servant leaders, or they aspire should to be, be or should sp- be, yeah, aspire to be. Yep, uh, and. I, you typically hear about people who control and lead that way. Um, you always have friends who say, well, their boss is a jerk and how they belittle everybody. And you'll hear about it like sometimes like in fast food or at, uh, or in like um, a retail environment, like somebody works at a Walmart or something. They may talk about how they have a boss who is abrasive, tough to deal with, belittling. Um, and it happens, but I would say typically – Contrary to what people think, so I think popular opinion goes the other way, is that typically the higher you move up, the more you have to be able to manage relationships in a civil way. Yes. Approach and delivery is everything. And and it's easier to like, – there's the, there's the notion that CEOs of companies are sociopaths or psychopaths. There may be some truth to that, but what it, <laughs> what it boils down to it to – Wait, 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 back up. Where did you read this? You've never heard that? Oh, I may have heard a similar, but never, never heard that they were. Yeah. Well, I guess I've heard something similar, but not that it was sociopath yeah. was not the, the label chosen. But like, <laughs> but like when, but what to get, again, to get to that point, you have to be yeah. able to manage more than anything else, more than results, more than anything. It's, it's managing relationships. Mm-hmm. You're far more likely to have a frontline manager or supervisor who is just a jerk than you are to have a leader in a large, say, like Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company because you have to be able to manage relationships and you have to be able to engage with people. Not saying it's impossible, but in a large organization, I I just don't see it that often. If you have like 500 people, sure. Yeah, yeah, I, and I do. I think it's uh, really relative based on 
the industry, the size and everything else. Yeah. But I, I have often, if I've ever had a boss who, or a leader and, and luckily I can't say that I've had, but maybe one, um, who was highly and intentionally abrasive. Um, and in dealing with that person, it felt as though that came out of pure insecurity, not out of the fact that they, um, that they were a bad person all the time, or that was their normal personality outside of the, you know, the, the leadership room or whatever it was. But it was, it was purely a, it was a insecurity driven abrasiveness that he, you know, exuded to everybody else. And, um, you know, unfortunately, again, it's that not understanding how you, so it goes back to in other podcasts, we talked about being self-aware. And so if you are dealing with, or you're being an abrasive person, um, understand what the driver is is it if, if if it's just that you like being that way and that's your kind of person well yeah uh, you're jerk. that that sucks and let's <laughs> stop let's stop that let's not do that like be a good person come on um but i you know i feel like we all probably get a little abrasive to a degree at some point but i also feel like there has to be a little bit more um the label of abrasive has to be considered if, if it's just being direct in a kind way or direct in a, in a no nonsense way that that's that person person's personality and they're not trying to be hurtful or harmful. I think people who are truly abrasive and, and, t- and intentional with their criticisms and their anger are probably, you know, <clears throat> less likely to, to be aware of what's going on or they're just a bad person. But um, abrasive people are not fun. And Brian Kilby, you probably were a, I could see you walking up and saying that to that yeah. person. And there was probably one or two ways that that delivery occurred. Yeah. <laughs> and it was either the really like creepy, calm Brian that just said it and walked off. And the person kind of was like, um, okay. Cre- or it- creepy, calm. <laughs> Well, you, you know the way where it's just like you get this look on your face where you kind of just stare directly at somebody and you say exactly what you need to say and then you move off like the, a robot. Or there's the where you like have I this love that. little bit of look on your face, a little bit of emotion on your face where you're like exasperated, maybe take a deep breath, delivered the line and walked away. Like those are the two, those are the two versions I envision Brian Kilby being able to deliver. Now, did I hit either one of those correctly? Uh, probably the creepy calm. <laughs> and I, I love, I love, I, I love that because I, if Kim and I ever have an argument, her biggest concern, her biggest complaint is that I sometimes lack emotion. Yeah. And I'm glad to know that that's, I actually, I've cultivated that. And, <laughs> and so that's good. Outside of your marriage, yeah. some other people experience that. It's just part of who you are. You, It's not specially reserved for Kim. <laughs> creepy calm. I love it. I think creepy calm. That's going in uh, my LinkedIn. <laughs> Brian Kilby, going- creepy calm <laughs> process professional. <laughs> I feel like when you're creep, like that's such a, I feel like a jerk for describing it that way, but it it is, it's very unemotional and just, I love it. but I, I understand that. Like I understand it. I never took 
when you had those moments, it was you being, you were processing what you needed to do in your head and you were being strategic about getting past the thing that you wanted to get past and move on where Brian Kilby fired up, which like Brian Kilby getting really, really fired up. Like Wendy Kaysen can get fired up. Doesn't happen very often. I'm a little bit more animated. Sometimes (laughs) I can get pissed off. You can, you absolutely can. I'm not saying that you can't, but it's, that's when that's pure emotion versus the Brian who's thought through the creepy calm. Brian is the one who's like, how am I going to avoid this? I just want to like nip this in the bud and I'm not going to hold on to it and we're going to handle it and we're going to move on. That's creepy calm. Brian who needs to make a smart aleck remark or put some sarcasm behind it is the one where there's a little bit more emotion behind it. Yeah. That's the way I would describe it. If I, if I nailed that, I'm, you know, Maybe I, I should should go be a <laughs> I don't know personality person. I've, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this has been a great conversation, Wendy. I, 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 I've learned a lot about how I'm a weirdo. <laughs> how I'm the weirdo? <laughs> no, I'm. I would say in that situation, Brian, like you're like where you were being abrasive. First of all, I would say that anybody listening to this podcast has probably encountered that and completely empathizes with you and does not blame you for being a bit of a a hole. Um, Because that stuff does get annoying, especially when you're like, I have, I'm like on a mission, just let me do my mission. Let me go. Um, But I, I, I have two ways I deal with those situations too. And they're probably not too far different than what you did. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our ways of getting past things, depending on what we want the outcome to be. So, um, but the, the moral of the podcast is try not to be an (laughs) a-hole. Don't be abrasive. Try to be kind. And if you can't get through to somebody, kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. That's Don't awesome. Kindness. Well, that is our and we missed last week. We just had technical difficulty because Kason on her end is it, his is messing around with some stuff. We, but. we we had some Skype issues and it was more on my end than yours. Well, we had a little bit of both. We had some shared issues. We've got those resolved and the topic will come back out again and instead it, of rehashing it, which I worried might come off as creepy calm <laughs> and robotic <laughs> uh we're just going to let it uh simmer and yeah we'll revisit it later uh when we'll have um we'll have some practice under our belt but also at the same time uh maybe we have uh, a little more insight than we had yeah well, i think i think the material was good but i think it could be better so it it probably all happened for a reason is what i believe yep so all right well my creepy calm friend i miss you <laughs> I and miss you too. I, I look forward to talking to you next week everybody have a good week we'll see you then bye this was how was your weekend with wendy and brian please subscribe at our website how was slash your weekend that's h-o-w-w dot a-s slash your weekend please leave a review and tell a friend